0: I really need to hit the books, hit the books. This is a common English expression, and I wanna ask if you know what this means, or if you can have a guess. I will tell you the real meaning at the end of this podcast episode. Welcome to the Level Up English podcast, the best place to come to practise the English language learn about the British accent and culture, with me, your host, Michael Lavers. Hello, welcome back to my podcast. Thank you very much for being here today. I really hope you're doing well. It's been yet another week in quarantine here in the UK, and I hope your situation is okay as well. And I've got a short episode today And this is a continuation of my notes from when I was traveling. So when I went traveling over the winter, I had a lot of ideas about using language and learning a language. And I made so many notes. And today's podcast is going to look at one of the topics that I wrote about in my notes. And I'm going to try and do my best to convert my notes into coherent and understandable rambling or talk. Also, don't forget if you want to view the transcript for this episode and read everything I'm saying, you can also do that if you swipe across and click the transcript button. So I put a lot of work into that, so don't forget to use it if you think it will be helpful for you. Finally, I haven't received any questions in a few weeks, So, if you want to ask a question on the podcast, you can go to my podcast page, which you can find at ewmichael.com forward slash podcast. And by the way, I think forward slash might be confusing for some people. So, when I say the word forward slash, I'm talking about the line you'll find on your keyboard. It's kind of like the line that's tilted forward, tilted to the right. So, that is called a forward slash, and it's used in websites, you know, usually after .com, .co.uk, you've got that slash. So, slash podcast at my website. At the bottom of the page, you will find an area to leave a written message or an audio message. So, that'd be really cool if you can leave an audio message and I can include you in my podcast as well. So if there's anything you want to ask me related to English, language, whatever it is, let me know there. Okay, so today I want to talk about the difference between learning English from a vocabulary list and learning in real life. So, just as a disclaimer, just to let you know, I do or I try to do both of these things. I'm not saying one is all you should do, but I want to compare which one is better. So just to give an example, you can learn from a vocabulary list. And for me, I like to make these myself. So I use Anki, which is like a flashcard, memorization software. And every morning I kind of study my cards, my vocabulary, my sentences, And it's a good way to kind of keep the language fresh in my mind and practice the language from the comfort of your home. The other alternative, which I think you'll agree is probably better, is learning in real life. And that includes meeting people, talking to people, or even just listening to people talk. It could be like in a movie. You're listening to how English is used in real life. And when I was thinking about this topic, this was when I was in Japan. So I've got lots of examples from when I was in Japan. And I'll also try to do my best to kind of relate these to English as well, because this is not a Japanese podcast. (laughs) So just to give one quick example before we get too deep into this of what I mean. When I studied every day, I study some particular words that I think will be useful. Um, I often find sentences from the dictionary and add them to my flashcards, so then I can kind of see the structure, the grammar, the word order, things like that. I find that's been very helpful for me, but sometimes I learn things that aren't so useful. One example was the Japanese word for a light. This is one word, a light, and it kind of means to get off, like get off a train, for example. So the word was kosha kosha And I studied this for a while. This came up in my flashcards for quite some time, and I had it in my long-term memory. I remembered it quite well. And then in Japan, I was talking to my friend And I mentioned this word, something about getting off a train. I forget exactly what I said. And she looked kind of confused. Like, wait, what? What are you talking about? And then she realised what I meant. And she kind of said, oh, that word is a bit weird. I think it's only used maybe in the news or in a formal situation or something like that. But at that point, she told me it's not so common to use it in everyday language, everyday situations. So that was kind of one quick experience with that word that kind of taught me everything I needed to know. And this can also directly relate to English as well because we have the word alight and no one really uses that word in English. I've never heard any of my friends talking about alighting from a train However, if you go to the train station, you'll see that word quite a lot. So it might be a useful word to understand, but you have to understand the hidden meaning inside that word and kind of the context in which it's used. So it's used perhaps in more formal situations or by particular companies to sound smart, but maybe not in everyday English. So it often takes me just one day remember a new word when i'm using it in real life but when i'm memorizing and studying at home it can take me weeks and weeks to sink it into my long-term memory so it's really it's not too hard to learn vocabulary but the difficult thing is to know when they're suitable when they're suitable to be used And there are many examples of this, which I'll try to talk about in English now. Even if you think about the everyday expressions we use, such as goodbye. There are many ways to say goodbye. You know, goodbye, bye, see ya, see ya later, farewell, so long. So there are just a few examples of ways to say goodbye. They all mean the same thing, but the nuance is different, the nuance. And this word nuance means a very small, subtle meaning or a change in the meaning or expression of something. It's like a hidden meaning inside. So if you are just saying goodbye to your friend, maybe you'll see them again tomorrow, it would not be appropriate to say farewell. And I can do my best to describe the nuance for these words like farewell, but the best way to learn all these different nuances and hidden meanings is to experience it for yourself and kind of see how it's used in real life. Another really common example, which I see many people having problems with is the word mate in British English. So you can learn that mate Means friend from a textbook or a vocab list. It just means friend. But you probably won't understand the nuance behind it until you spend some more time with British speakers or if you're immersed in the language in some way. And by the way, immersion can be done in the country or artificially from abroad. So don't worry if, you're, if you can't go to an English speaking country or the UK, you can still get immersion. If you want to hear more about immersion, you can go back and see a previous episode I did on that topic. But despite the fact that mate means friend, it's often used for total strangers. Sometimes if you use it with real friends, it can sound quite distant or strange. So if I went to my best friend and he said, hey mate, how's it going? It sounds a bit strange to me. It sounds like maybe he's trying to sound like a different person, or maybe he's just trying to make some distance between us. He doesn't feel so comfortable with me. Another example is if you message someone, like you've messaged me online and you say, hi mate, it can come off as a little bit rude it's not so polite not so formal and so there's a lot of nuance in that one word and yeah really the best way to understand it is to experience it to see people using it try and use it yourself um, of course I'm not saying you cannot use it but I'm saying you have to kind of be really observant with how it is used and not just rely on a dictionary One more example is with the word thank you. Of course, many ways to say thank you in English. Uh, thanks, thank you, thanks a lot, cheers, ta, even ta. T-A. That's like the most uh, casual, I would say, in in the UK. A textbook might say they're similar, but learning the difference is quite hard to do and it, you need a lot of experience and observation. And of course, different situations and different people will require different thank you. Um, But as I always say, if you're not sure, I know it can be quite overwhelming. If you're not sure, just say thank you. You Thank you is always, always appropriate. It's always good. Even if you're not really grateful, you might want to say that anyway. This also ties into culture as well. So it's really important I think to learn the culture when you're learning a language. And this helps you fully understand the way the words are used. Another example, um, just relating to my experience, is before I went to Japan, I was always learning about the word anata, which means you. So, of course, when you're learning a sentence, it will say, You, know, you are kind. Who are you? always using this word you. But when you learn a bit more about Japanese culture, you learn that this kind of directness is not so polite all the time. So they don't say the word you as much as we would in English. And that's something that I probably wouldn't know unless I spent some time there and listened to the way people were talking. So just to kind of give a Quick summary of what I said there. I think it's a good idea to supplement your learning with vocabulary lists and independent study. But if possible, you need to experience English in its natural form to learn the nuance of each word and phrase. And this also ties into more notes that I made and this is about context. And I think I'm going to talk more about this in the future because it's such a big and important topic, but it's really, really important to have context when you're learning a language. And this is when you, know, you don't just learn one word alone, but learn the sentence with the word, or even better, learn that sentence in the context of a conversation or a situation. And this is especially useful when you learn the word and it's kind of connected with a strong emotion, a strong feeling, or it could be embarrassment when you make a mistake or a nice memory, something like that. It makes it much easier to remember that word. Another example in Japan, just to be prepared, I looked up the word for occupied, occupied. So this word in English can be used when you're using the bathroom and you see the door handle start to shake. And you're like, oh no, someone's trying to come inside. And rather than the embarrassment of kind of pushing your hand against the door, you can just shout occupied or someone's in here and it kind of lets them know that the bathroom is not free. Now I learned this expression in Japan Luckily, I never actually had to use it, so that was that was a good thing. I guess people there are a bit more polite than England, maybe. But I will never forget this expression, just simply because of the way I remembered it and the situation I was in, because in my head, I was quite afraid of that happening, and I could imagine that embarrassment in my head, and now I have that kind of feeling connected with this new word. So I don't think I will ever forget that word. And if it ever happens, it will be even more cemented, more stuck in my brain. And learning just from a vocab list just isn't the same as having that kind of visceral, real situation. So when you have that memory, that connection to something real, it just makes things much, much easier to remember and also much more enjoyable too. So now maybe you're thinking, what can I do? How can I use this information to help my English? So my advice is always the same around this topic and I think it's quite simple, actually. I think most language learning advice is quite simple. It's Not easy, but it's quite simple. So if you are unable to meet real native speakers, you could find some online to talk to, like a language partner, or get a teacher, which again, you could do at italki. Um, that'd be a great idea because they're the sponsors of today's show. Or you could even just watch more movies and TV shows in English, and you'll kind of get a deeper sense and understanding of the context and the nuance. Of course, the ideal situation would be going to the UK, meeting lots of people and practicing. Um, Right now, this isn't possible. And even in the future, if this is not possible, there are still ways to replicate this. You can still bring the context to your own home in some way. So just to summarize, don't worry about it. Um, whatever you're doing to study is amazing. It's better than many, many people But if you can incorporate, and that means kind of add and use some of these tips in your learning, context, the nuance, real life examples, you will, I'm sure, improve much, much faster. So thank you very much as always to anyone watching, watching, maybe listening, (laughs) that'd be better. If you're watching, let me know how you're doing that. That's amazing. Thank you to anyone listening. And also thank you again to italki, where you can go there and get a free $10 for your lessons. I will see you next week for a new episode. Thank you very much. You have been listening to the Level Up English podcast. If you would like to leave a question to be answered on a future episode, then please go to levelupenglish.school forward slash podcast. That's levelupenglish.school slash podcast. And I'll answer your question on a future episode. Thanks for listening. At the beginning of the show, I mentioned the expression to hit the books, hit the books. Some of you may have guessed, or some of you may already know the meaning is just to kind of begin studying, often in a very serious and enthusiastic way. Let's hit the books and begin studying English. So are you going to hit the books today?